Let us pray. Pursue us in our lonely places, God, that we may know you and live the life you promise through your eternal one, Jesus Christ. Hold me up, God, that I might lift you up. Amen. Hear these words of the psalmist and trust them. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. This is the word of the Lord. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? I love that. Psalm 139 is my favorite psalm because it's such a strong reminder that God is always with us. I mean, you can't escape God even if you try. In fact, if you read all of the first 18 verses, you'll discover that God is present with us not only in all places, but in all time. Even before and after this existence, God is with us. So why is it that so often we feel alone? Today is week three of our worship series based on Adam Hamilton's book, Unafraid, Living with Courage and Hope in Uncertain Times. And we've been exploring how fear impacts um, our lives and how we might combat or face those fears by using various tools and methods from the therapeutic world and from our faith, um, from our spiritual resources. Today, we're focused on the fear of loneliness, the fear of being alone and without friends. Sue Bourne is a Scottish director of documentaries, and she made a BBC documentary in 2016 called The Age of Loneliness. She interviews in that documentary a dozen or so people who experience loneliness for a variety of reasons. Some of them experience loneliness because of circumstances that they can't control um, in their lives, things like the death of a loved one or longer than expected life expectancy. Though she's very careful to note that loneliness is not something that's only experienced by the elderly. Some people experience lonely, loneliness because of divorce or the inability to find a life partner. And then others are lonely because of modern social trends like moving frequently, changing jobs, more often than we used to in the past. And then there's the hollowing out of relationships that seems to occur with the advent of the internet age. It used to be that people were born and raised and remained in the same town their whole lives. So their family was nearby and most of their friendships were lifelong. People often retired from the very first company that they ever went to work for. They stayed married for life, and most personal interactions were personal. That's not true today. 
The most recent census data indicates that on average, Americans move between 11 and 12 times during their lifetime. One of the key indicators of happiness in retirement isn't the size of your retirement account or your 401k, it's your relationships. Yet, very often when people retire, what they do is they move. They move to a place that's sunny and bright, a place they've always wanted to live, but in doing so, they sever all those relationships they've spent time and energy building. The 2016 Bureau of Labor Statistics reports that the average length of time that an employee will spend in a given job is 4.2 years. The American Psychological Association reports that 40 to 50% of all marriages in our country end in divorce. And that statistic goes up for second and third marriages or for people who were raised by parents who were divorced. And we all know that with our increasingly busy lives and the advent of email and texting and social media, personal interaction is just not so personal anymore. I feel like the poster child sometimes for loneliness. I'm an only child raised by parents who were divorced when I was two years old. They both got remarried and re-divorced over time. My mother's affectionately known in our family as the gypsy. When I was growing up, we moved once a year, whether we needed to or not. And while we stayed in Charlotte most of the time, we always changed school zones. So I went to a different school every single year of my life, with the exception of seventh, eighth, and ninth grade. I did go to junior high um, in the same place. And then this trend continued, but with less frequency as an adult. I've had many different jobs in my 49 years. Some changes were because I wasn't real happy with that particular job. Some of them were because of promotions. I've definitely embraced the digital age, though not quite as fully as some. My longest stint living in any one community and holding any one job was at the church that I came from to come here at Manchac United Methodist. I was there for five years. And in my teens and in my 20s especially, I did feel lonely quite a lot. The truth is that any one of us can experience loneliness for any one of these reasons or for a combination of several of those reasons or for different reasons at different times in our lives. And depending on how chronic our loneliness is or the state of our mental health, we can do with this fear the same thing we do with other fears. We can catastrophize it. We can imagine that we will be lonely forever, that we'll always be alone, that no one will ever love us or that we'll never find a life partner. In my 20s especially, I sometimes despaired over the possibility that I might never find someone to share my life with. And because the odds were against me with my parents being divorced, I thought, well, even if I do find somebody, it's probably doomed, I'm gonna get divorced. In modern society, circumstances are not ideal for establishing long-term relationships. And trust and true intimacy that create a real sense of connection and belonging they take time. Our ability to connect with others and to feel like we belong is a core need. It's essential to our well-being. WebMD reported in 2018 that loneliness is so pervasive, it's become a health risk that rivals that of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. 
Loneliness is becoming a greater health risk than obesity. Apparently, you actually can die from loneliness. Brene Brown, who I've mentioned before, she confirms in her research on shame that connection and belonging are absolutely the greatest longings of our hearts. And our ability to connect and to feel like we belong is a determining factor in our ability to live what she calls a wholehearted life. In Christian terms, we might call it true life or eternal life. Genesis recounts in its first and second chapters two creation stories. In the first, all that God creates is counted as good in God's eyes. Y'all remember? God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said it was good. Then God created the sky and separated the dry land from the seas, and God said it was good. Then God made the trees and the plants, and it was good. And God made the sun and the moon and the stars, and that was good. And then all the living creatures to fill the water and the air, and that was good. And then all the beasts to roam the earth, and that was good. And then finally, humankind God created in God's own image. And God said that was very good. Good, 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 very good. It's not until partway through the second chapter of Genesis that we hear God lament over something that is not good. And the not good thing is loneliness. In verse 18, God says, it is not good that the human is alone. I think it's stunning that that's the very first thing God notices that's not good. God realizes that the human needs a partner, someone to share their life with. So God creates what Adam Hamilton refers to as the new and improved model. <laughs> the upgrade, human 2.0. So loneliness is not good, God says. Connection and belonging are essential to both happiness and health, science says. But the circumstances of modern day society perpetuate loneliness, a loneliness that pervades and persists. So what do we do? What do we do in light of this? Well, in the therapeutic world, counselors might explore with you early childhood experiences that have somehow contributed to your experience of loneliness as an adult. I mean, were you abandoned as a child? Did someone close to you die unexpectedly? Did someone leave? Maybe um, because of divorce or a job? Did someone you trust maybe make you think that you weren't enough? Were you told by someone close to you as a child that you weren't smart enough or good-looking enough or interesting enough? Is it hard for you to believe that others might like you? Maybe you feel unlovable. A good therapist can help you question the assumptions that you carry with you as a result of those experiences, assumptions that you carry about your own self-worth, about the reliability of others that are formed as a result of these painful experiences and can help you reframe them, can help you learn tools to deal with them in productive ways today. They can help you understand that while those experiences were absolutely real and painful, 
they don't necessarily represent all experience. They can coach you on healthy ways to get connected with other people, teach you how to make yourself available for relationships, how to set yourself up to connect with others. If this is a need that you have, and you don't know where to go, what resources to reach out to, reach out to me. Let me know. I can help you connect with someone who can help you work through those things. Spiritually, we have resources. Our Christian tradition offers two answers, at least, to loneliness. The first is right here. Christian community. The central focus of the New Testament is the church, which isn't to say this building or this structure where we gather, but it's a community of people that are called to live together with the purpose in mind of learning to love one another. John 13, 34, Jesus proclaims a new commandment that we would love one another as he has loved us. That's the defining characteristic of the Christian community, or at least it should be that we love one another, always. That's why it's important that we be welcoming. That's why it's important that we welcome all people who join us because if the community called together by Christ can't welcome everyone, can't love them, we've failed at our primary calling. That's why it's so important to notice new people, to notice unfamiliar faces and to intentionally reach out to them. And coming to worship, that's great. But y'all, when it comes to real, authentic connection, it's not enough. In order to become deeply and authentically connected, we need to get to know people in a small group setting. That's where the deep connections are made. I know that there are many of you who come on Sunday mornings on a regular basis to worship, but you are not connected in a small group on Sunday morning. I want to make a suggestion. You're here on Sunday morning anyway. Spend an extra hour. Go visit with a Sunday school class. Try them all out. Try them out multiple times so that you can find one where you connect. And if you don't find one after trying that you connect with, come see me. Come talk to Kurt or Ellen Balthazar. We'll start a new class. We'll figure out what's needed. And if, uh, if you can't find one on Sunday morning, you can also look at our midweek classes. We have several that occurred during the middle of the week. You can join a group that regularly serves. Mobile Loaves and Fishes gets together a couple of times a month to serve those who are hungry in the community. Women's Storybook Project gets together regularly to sort books and to go to prisons. If you haven't been on a walk to Emmaus, I want you to think about it. It's a weekend retreat that's meant to ignite your faith and to help you connect deeply with God. And I promise you, you will absolutely connect with all the other people that are on the walk with you. You have to put yourself out there. The second answer, answer that Christianity offers to loneliness is this. God created us to be in relationship. God created us to be in relationship with God first, but with each other. St. Augustine says in his confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And if we trust scripture, we know that we're never alone. 
Psalm 139 says it's impossible. It's impossible to be alone. It's impossible for us to escape God. We feel alone, but the reality is we're never alone. But in order to feel connected, in order to know that we belong to God, we have to make ourselves available. It's really not any different than relationships with people. We make ourselves available to God through our spiritual practices. When we come to worship, when we sing songs, when we pray, we practice being aware of God. When we listen to the word of God or when we receive communion, we encounter the presence of God. In small Christian groups, when we study God's word, when we discuss it, when we apply it to our personal lives, we practice learning about what it's like to be in God's presence. When we love each other in Christian community, when we serve one another, and in personal, private prayer practices. I'm a morning person. I get up really early, and I have a special spot in my house that I've prepared as a place for me to meet God. I have a rocking chair, and it's kind of weird. I have it facing out the window because I want to be able to see the sunrise when it comes up. That's one of the ways that I encounter God. I have everything that I need right there. It's all prepared in advance. There's a candle and matches in the windowsill. There's a clutching cross there. It's a wooden cross I can hold that someone made for me. It's right there. There are several devotional books and spiritual books. I have a basket beside the chair that holds my Bible and my journal. There's a prayer shawl that hangs over the back that someone made me that I can wrap myself in as I pray. That's where I meet God most mornings. And my cat. George likes to pray. <laughs> he comes and sits in my lap. Science says that we can die from loneliness. And modern society sets us up to be lonely. Connection and belonging are core to living a wholehearted life, Brene Brown says. And God confirms it is not good that the human should be alone. What Brene Brown calls wholehearted living, Jesus calls true life or eternal life, which in John's gospel in particular does not refer to life after death. It's right now, present, available to us in each moment of our lives. Jesus says this is eternal life, that you may know God. And that knowing is an intimate, authentic sharing of life and love. It's the relationship that God calls us to, draws us to, that God desires for us and with us. It's a knowing that's available to us everywhere and always. Where can we go from God's spirit? Where can we flee from God's presence? It's not possible because we are not alone. Fear not. And we are assured as we read these words together. When the wind is strong and the waves are high, remember the words of Jesus. When we feel abandoned and alone and we wonder what lies ahead, remember the words of Jesus. 
When those we love disappoint us or hurt us deeply, remember the words of Jesus. When we forget that you will lead us by the hand wherever or whenever we ask, remember the words of Jesus. I have called you by name. You are mine. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior.